We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oscar Robertson, Leo Sindor, what a year that has been. The Bucks are the world champions. Moncrief going inside. Ray Allen driving past Armstrong. The jam over McGrady. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Happy birthday, Jason Kidd. This place is up for grabs. Play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're gonna, be, we're gonna win in six. Hello and welcome to episode 354 of the Win in Six podcast proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Very well. Very well. Things are going well for the books. What, what could we have to complain about? We come on a podcast here. Uh, maybe the state of the world, that could be, that could be a factor, but, it, you know, in the Milwaukee Bucks world, not quite all things are well, but very close. We're getting close. Um, only really injuries and updates on injuries that aren't quite well. But seven straight wins. Can't complain about that, right? No, you can't. Even if some people diminish the win streak because of who they played. Yeah, they played the match twice. That? Was someone doing that? Know. People always find ways to listen people uh, continue to diminish the books winning a championship and i don't care about that so me neither people can diminish away all the things they want it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that they happen that just like the books won a championship they are currently on a seven game win streak uh who knows maybe they just keep on winning maybe they keep on winning and people are like wow what a team they are look at this win streak Longer than the Lakers ever had. I don't know if you saw that whole thing. Did you see that? Anyway, we won't throw shade. At oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's been some news this week. We'll maybe talk about some of the games and I guess some of the books continued uh, good play as we progress. But surprisingly, I don't think any of us were expecting based on the fact that the books hadn't made a signing for multiple weeks when they needed a big. And... 
with the timing and everything, nothing had really changed. Nothing had changed in terms of, well, that we know of, in terms of the situation. They're more healthy now than when they desperately needed it, it seemed like. They're basically healthy, bar the two players that we've been uncertain on all along. And I guess Shemi, and maybe that factors into their full court thinking. Yep. Um, But the Bucks decided to make a move to go out and get a center, and they signed former four-time All-Star DeMarcus Cousins, which was surprising, honestly. Um, I'm fully in support of it, just in terms of I think they probably should have got a big a little while ago. And if you're going to do that, I think as we had talked about lots of times in the pod, the options were not great. That's to, to really kind of soft sell it, to say the options aren't great. So taking a flyer on a guy who was once one of the best players in the NBA, but has just been absolutely kind of riddled with injuries for years, has really struggled to kind of get back to looking like himself, but has kind of put up solid, like actually very solid backup big numbers in the times where he has been able to play on contending teams in recent years. And with that, Buggy Cousins is now a book. What are your what are your thoughts on this? Were you surprised by the moves? I'm sure by the timing you certainly were, but were you surprised that they they ultimately did decide to go for a big like Buggy Cousins? I too was very surprised. Um, you were in Lambo when the news. I was at Lambo. I was at the pack game, so I like caught up to them signing it, and it didn't show up on my phone, so I had to search for it. I was like. Is this real? Like, what? what's going on? Um, so, yeah, I, I was very surprised. Um, also, right before the Pacers game, too, right? Because that was, like, a 4 o'clock start. So, it was, like, very early. Uh, 5 o'clock start in Indiana, I'm guessing. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Surprised, certainly. Surprised it was Boogie just because, as you said, injuries – have really ravaged him over the last couple of years. Uh, I wrote about our sub stack, but I even, I even forgot about him tearing his quadriceps with the Warriors too. Uh-huh. Like he's just, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, he has broken down extremely and not by his own, you know, uh, volition. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a sucky thing when all these injuries just pile up and, you know, in rapid succession like this, and, you know, now he, after splitting time between Houston and Clippers last year, after Houston, I think, too, like, they just kind of, like, stopped playing him and then did the whole P.J. Tucker thing, sent him away, eventually waved him or something. I forgetting all the... They, didn't they bring him to team him up with John Wall specifically? Which that's where, yeah, it was... Weird, and yep. you know, now when you look at where the John Wall situation still is too, it just remains weird what the Rockets are doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was, it, it was interesting on Boogie because obviously no one's mistaking the tone even, you know, after all these injuries just because he is and all was an all-star caliber player i'm not saying to all nba twice all too. nba yeah um you just you know you're gonna naturally take flyers on a guy until it's really apparent that you know he just doesn't have it anymore um and unfortunately for him it didn't result in him getting a job this year 
or until this point, I think he even said, um, or I think it's through Mark Spears that oh, the only other team that to work right. him out was Denver he said it himself in his press conference. He yeah. said that the the phone hadn't rang until two days before the books got in touch when the Nuggets called him for a workout, but they didn't have an open roster spot, so he went there aware of that. He worked out anyway. He heard no more after that. The books called and. The rest is history. It moved pretty quickly from there. But yeah, it, it was put to him. I think what would have seemed like a somewhat, you know, realistic um, view of the situation, or I would have thought so, which is that he's probably got calls from someone. You know, someone's been calling. Has he been waiting for the right situation? And in his own words, he was like, no, <laughs> no one's been calling. I've been at home. I've been waiting. I've been hoping. And here we are. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a stark reality, especially for someone who was, is, as, you know, it's not just name power, you know, fame and all that stuff, but we're, as you said, we're talking about a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA player who, you know, if it wasn't for playing on the Sacramento Kings and all the dysfunction that comes with that, even if he contributed to some of that, you know, he was one of the top 20 players of the league, if not higher up at, you know, at his peak. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I think it's an interesting flyer in terms of just there. There, It's easy to see why the Bucks are making this shot outside of just, you know, they need someone. He is a good shooter. He's a good passer. There's still stuff there that, you know, you can't rely on. Um, defensively, you know, whatever we could, what we would have said about Boogie defensively a few years ago is probably even more of a red flag now that he just doesn't have the same mobility or, you know, um, his, his workload is obviously vastly different from when he was a King or even after he got traded to the Pelicans, but, you know, he, no one's going to make DeMarcus Cousins to be like an all defensive player by any means but i think it's just interesting to see them go in a direction of like all right we're gonna we're gonna go to a guy that we think that is it's i don't know it's because it's a non-guaranteed deal it doesn't feel like that much of a risk but it is a test to see like how can someone like boogie cousins who you know things haven't gone his way over the last few years still has something to prove obviously uh, just to make it in the league, how could he fit within their system, their culture, all that stuff? It, I I think it's a I think it's a sweet play in that in that ter- or that kind of respect that um, maybe is a game as talked about as everything else. I think I think offensively, his game at this point is going to be very Brook Lopez esque, and um, he shoots kind of similar i mean he could get hot he could shoot better from deep but if you're looking for someone who's probably going to be in the 33 35 which for a center is perfectly fine you know average slightly above average um for a big you're gonna take that you're gonna be happy with that and teams are going to show it some respect and then obviously he does also have a real post game although he's not going to be as explosive or as kind of dominant inside as he once was but i i do think in that sense there is a there is a way where you can 
kind of more clearly see something that mirrors Brooks' offensive game than what they've had before. Defense is an entirely different story, and honestly, I I just don't know. Uh, and I mean, I think that's probably going to be the case for the books and for a lot of the league is just kind of wait and see. It's like on a good team, and if he is going to be given any kind of role to play, even in the short term, while Brook is still out, maybe that's the long term while Brook is out. We'll, we'll probably talk about that again shortly. But there's some wait and see in that. There's an element of, I think he's at least got legitimate size and strength for a center. That's a good thing. That will take some of the stress off of Giannis, even I guess some of the stress off of Bobby will allow him to play some more four. Um, but also playing alongside Giannis can make guys like that a lot better, um, allow them to survive defensively. And Boogie, Boogie always had some tools and could make a positive impact defensively. I mean, the thing when you look back at his career even before injuries is, as you pointed earlier, he was with the Kings during, like, I don't know, I was going to say the peak of their dysfunction, but has that ended? I'm not sure. It was a bad, <laughs> bad few years for the Kings, though. He didn't get a whole lot of help when he was the star. And also, and I think he'd be pretty quick to acknowledges himself and i think one of the first things he did talk about when being interviewed in his first uh, interview of the book was he talked about like i've matured a lot in the last few years through everything that happens and i actually do think that comes across when you hear him speak now compared to how he used to be um i don't know demarcus cousins but to just broadly state something that you see he doesn't seem angry which he's always someone early in his career, like, again, maybe this is just the Sacramento Kings of it all, but you could often feel when he's just being interviewed, there was like this chip on the shoulder, this anger at the surface, which I, I think frequently spilled over and didn't necessarily do him very much good. So years of frustration with injuries, but also, like, he listed all these off in his press conference. Basically, all the best players in the NBA he has played with in the last few years and in a way that is now like playing with Giannis to complete the set. It's kind of ridiculous. He was on the Warriors with Steph playing KD. He played with LeBron and AD on the Lakers. He very briefly was with James Harden, although I don't know if James Harden was there uh, with the Rockets. Mentally. Yeah. Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. Like it's an insane, insane run of a few years. Obviously he played Anthony Davis too in Andrew in Andrew, which I think is probably important here and even in the books talk process, I'm sure they spoke to Drew and were like, what do you think of this? What do you think? How would he fit in the, the locker room? I I'm very, very happy with this as a flyer. I think it makes a lot of sense for where they're at as a roster. And also because things are going well again. Um, I think it's a good time to bring someone in. The schedule is pretty soft. I think as we've talked about before, over the next, uh, the guts of a month, I mean, true to the turn of the year, the books do not have the most formidable schedule at all. And it's definitely worth a look. And if you look at his numbers recent years, like last season, the Clippers, he only played 16 games, but averaging 7.8 points and 4.5 rebounds in 13 minutes. Like if he comes in, he can do that for the books. That will be just fine. You know, that's very tidy contributions for a backup big. And at least in in terms of what he has said, he does seem very content. Like if he's going to just be a backup big and be asked to do that, 
it seems like he's going to do that. He just wants to be on a team. He wants to play. He wants to have a chance to contribute. And I would think the books are a very good situation for him. Probably the best situation he's been in outside of that Warriors season. But even then, that was a... I don't know if he's been in a locker room that would be quite as content and harmonious as this books group is. Maybe the Pelicans. That was actually... Because him and Davis got on really well that year. The Pelicans were good. Um, that was kind of the peak, I guess, of Drew's powers. And I think I think he came into the Clippers at a good time, even despite all of the lingering kind of questions around the Clippers. That makes sense. Sure. There wasn't there wasn't like Doc Rivers and them like any tension between him and Paul George or all that stuff. I think that too. But yeah, we're talking about you know very low-key quiet you know he's not he's not playing this this you know the circus that was golden state a couple years ago or even la i mean i know he didn't play for them but he was still with them for a long time until they waived him slash i think they waived him for jr was that it or something like that it was like going into the book i remember i know timelines are messy (laughs) we're driven by the search for better But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, um, even though Tatarat, I mean, it's the first team he's been with in a few years where he's going to be away from the media spotlight and the media glare, where there isn't that kind of drama, too. I mean, being on two LA teams, being on the Warriors when KD was also there, and then being on the Rockets right around the time where James Harden was making that a complete sideshow, he hasn't, he hasn't really had a chance since his injuries to just go somewhere where it's going to be pretty quiet. He could just go and play his minutes and put in his work and kind of build up from there somewhat out of the spotlight, which again, I think could work very well for me. He spoke about Eric Bledsoe and obviously a really good friend of him, someone who he's spoken to about the books in Milwaukee in the past. He mentioned that he, he had wanted to come to the books a couple of years ago. I, I honestly It'd either don't been. Before he went to the Warriors or before he went to the Lakers, right? I guess. I don't know. Like he said that and I was going, hmm, that's interesting. I was trying to trying to place it and I couldn't quite figure it out. But he said he had wanted to come in the past. He'd only heard great things about the organization, heard great things about the city. And he's, uh, he was talking about like, it's a really, it's a nice, calm, quiet city, great for your family. This was, basically what 
Eric Bledsoe had relayed to him. And when he was saying that, I was like, you know what? Like, that all sounds very good for where DeMarcus Cousins was for a lot of his career. Like, it's it's really the kind of environment he needed. In a lot of ways, Sacramento would have been perfect for him if it wasn't for the way the organization was run. Yep. Um, so, I'm, I mean, mostly I'm just really curious to see what he looks like. What version of him that could still be there if if he does prove to be kind of solid, effective, and buy-in in a quiet, low-maintenance way that sees him stick around past kind of the January point where they could easily just cut ties if it doesn't work. Like, if we get to that spot, it'll be interesting to see what comes from it. And in the meantime, if he can just kind of plug a gap in the rotation, that would be very useful. <laughs> that would be welcome. And I, I do think probably there's an element with the books at this point of being like, okay, we had a rough start, that's fine. You have enough margin for error for that. But as we discussed before, the question would have been if that went on for a certain period of time or if that was to happen again, that would be a problem. Like it, it could get tough pretty quickly and you could end up in a, just a different tier of the conversation, trying to work your way back, having to work harder than you'd like in the back half of the regular season. So there's some insurance here. Um, not just if Brooke isn't back soon, but if... Bobby was to miss any time or Giannis was to miss any time. They just, they really needed an extra body in the front court, just not to overload everyone and even increase the possibility of, of games missed from those guys. So it, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, just excited to see. I don't, I don't really have expectations. I, I don't think they would have brought in a player like him with the intention of like, oh, well, we're most likely going to be cutting him in January. I mean, I, I don't know what way you read that. To me, the, the non-guaranteed is just smart business. You're giving yourself the out. But I think if you're going to bring in DeMarcus Cousins and you feel like he's good enough to bring in or he's got something to offer, I think ideally you'd be thinking, okay, it would be useful for us to have him throughout the season. That's obviously... I mean, it's obviously dependent on other things. And part of that is, like, I do think that could be very possible. If he's just solid, like they needed another big and they'd be looking for a big regardless, maybe they end up looking for a kind of switchier forward, PJ Tucker-esque kind of, again, <laughs> as we get to trade deadline or buyout season. But I don't necessarily think, you know, oh, that's it. We've used up that roster spot that was open. Don't think that matters here because I think they ideally needed a big and they may still need, whether it's a forward or another wing, depending on how... Part of that too depends on how, say, Rodney Hood comes along as the year goes or if Shemi is healthy or shows anything. It's, you know, those flyers they took, they may be very dispensable. There may be other things. We've talked Dante in the past. That's kind of where I'm at on it. I think their situation is actually kind of fluid enough that they could look at boogie cousins and be like yeah let's let's take a look and i think we can probably go ideal world let's plan for him to be part of his team this season and if it's disastrous or if he's injured again or something we have an out but i'm i'm not entirely sure that they're they're just viewing this as like you know a 10-day style deal like i don't think it's really short term let's just plug this gap and then he's gone nor do I, but I do think there is 
I mean, if it doesn't work out, I mean, this honestly could be his last shot in the NBA. Um, you know, clearly in the context of it was just the Nuggets that worked him out two days before, and he didn't get much of a had didn't have much of a market over the summer or the off season. Um, you know, so from that perspective, I think I I do think that they wouldn't do this just to you know let's see what he has and cut him in 10 days if it's just not working kind of thing. But I do think that it's, you know, this is kind of make or break it just because, just because of where he's at in his career, the injuries are just so, you know, devastating to him. And it's really hard to come back from, especially at his age and his workload. I mean, I know we talked about the Kings just being a mess and stuff like that, but he was clearly their best player. If you look at his like usage percentage, on those Kings teams. I mean, he led the league in what year is it? 2015-16 with a 35.4 usage percentage. And then he's got 19,000 minutes on the clock at 31, having missed the best part of four seasons. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of the, you know, just kind of says it all in terms of what he's how the level that he's played at and the role that he's been asked to play just because he has been on losing teams and, you know, in the case of the Pelicans trying to get out of losing <laughs> that it's, yeah, it's, it's been a tough road for DeMarcus Cousins in more ways than one, but you know, hopefully it, it can come together for him. I still, I, I still feel a little skeptical just because it is, it's very easy to get sucked into like, oh, okay. Like the, you know, Marcus Cousins, all that stuff. It's it's. I I just don't. I don't What's know. What's the like, expectation, was... though? Uh, I mean, I'm not. I don't feel I'm skeptical because they've just won seven straight games. Bobby is playing probably some of his best basketball since coming to Milwaukee. Even I higher I, than that. I would like probably the best basketball of his career. Yeah. Um, I would like to think Brooke will be back someday. And it's like, what what are you actually looking for? Like, if if he could give them in 15 minutes, you know, 7.5 rebounds, and maybe rebounding more than anything, um, with some, yes. some of the issues they've had, and I guess in some of the ways where they've most notably looked weak in Brooks' absence. I mean, the defense hasn't been what it has been in previous years, but I think part of that too is just the fact that they're not securing defensive rebounds. Um. Like I, I think that's that's something that to me would seem still to be in the realm of possibility for him, and I don't think that's asking too much. Like I'm, I, we're, we're calling I him. He's a four-time All-Star. He's two-time All-NBA. I'm not expecting even no. twenty-five percent of that guy, really. No, and I, I don't think it's needed. Like By the way, that's that was happy the pretty... to buy in. Side note, um, as much as I claim that I try to get off Twitter or limited my Twitter usage, I had a li- or I had to see what hype video that they were that the Bucks would roll out. I think all the one clip was before his injuries. It was like the Kings and the Pelicans. It was like this is irrelevant. This is like you know what I mean. Like I, it's great seeing Boogie do a one man fast break and you know you're saying there weren't uh, enough Rockets highlights for your liking. There weren't enough that or Clippers. Um, there was a Warriors one. Um, yeah, it was just like, okay, we're not talking about the same guy. I'm sorry. 
But, like, I don't think they've had a, like, clear, like, to me, it feels more like, I'm not saying he's the equivalent of this, just because, don't get me, don't get me it's wrong. It's going to be really good or really bad. I don't know which. I think it's probably going to be bad, depending on how you say it. But um, when we found out that they signed Pau Gasol a couple years ago, and we're wow. just like, it's not, it's, we not all... it's not the same. Mm. I, I honestly don't believe it's the same. Jordan, how literally managed? It's minus 20. Was he two games? Three. And that was that was it. Like he got hurt. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think we're at that level. I think I don't I think, think we're that's that's the extreme. Yeah, I, I, I think there's minutes to be had here. Like, could he get injured again? Sure. Um, the, the one thing with his injuries is he's kind of had all of the bad ones, but he's not necessarily repeating the same one over and over. Like he's torn his Achilles, torn his ACL, uh, torn quadriceps, wasn't it, as you said? Like yeah. all the bad stuff. <laughs> he's had them all, which is not good for your overall shape. Um, it's not like he's torn his ACL three times and you're worried that if he tries to run, he's just going to do it for a fourth time. I mean, I, I just think overall, physically, he's he's not going to be what he was. But we'll see if he can be something. And I, I, I do think there's potential there. I mean, one of the things that interests me is I just think the books don't have the slightest idea what to do with center. Like, Brooke has been a godsend to them. And they have never at any point seemed to have really, like, a coherent idea mm. of... Bobby... I don't. I don't know if they they view Bobby as ideally a center, and I think they're right on that. But he's I not. also think let's be real. He's, he's not. He's not. But it's it's helped. It's made easier by the fact that that they've had Brooke, and obviously Giannis covers a lot of holes. Right. Like, but right now they don't have Brooke, and you're thinking about it again. Like for yeah. example, they get Brooke, and this is something that predates Brooke too. The book's just at center. <laughs> Since Larry Sanders, really, since Larry Sanders just that didn't work out, and they had to move on from the idea, that... just because I mean, as great as Larry was that one year, it, it flamed out fast. <laughs> I think I think Larry Sanders was the only time though they had a. I mean, I suppose you could argue they had a clear, coherent idea of like Ton was the center one season, um, which didn't exactly work out. But yeah, okay, Bogut's the last time where someone actually was able to hold down the spot like Brooke, and it became clear over multiple years that, okay, well, this is the center. But they just haven't been able to work it out, and the most obvious thing, obviously, that they tried was they went and got Brooke Lopez's identical twin brother, Robin, and they were like, this guy works, so this guy will work too. Honestly, I do think that happened. I think that worked. Yeah. I still don't understand exactly what happens with Robin just not playing in the bubble and all of that was weird and he leaves and you're back in this kind of spot. You bring Bobby in. Bobby has been great. Bobby is not a center and come playoff time, if Bobby is having to play the five, the books are going to be in trouble. Like we, we have seen it in lots of notable matchups. We're only a few weeks removed from the last time where Bobby was, you know, getting roasted in that kind of situation so that's still a tricky thing 
this is all the more concerning because of Brooks' health, because of his age, because of the situation they're in, because like they'd love to just have the next Brook Lopez to bring in and plug in, and they'd make a trade if they could get that guy and be like, okay, this is the center who's going to be behind beside Giannis for X number of years. I don't think they know what that is, though, because it can't just be the next Brook Lopez. Brook is pretty unique in the NBA in terms of players of that type. And I don't see many guys of the bowl that they've been looking for. And I think in part, that's why they've kind of consistently neglected this position in terms of depth. Part of it is you've got the luxury. It's all like Giannis could play some minutes there, and that's actually a good thing for us as a team. But I, I do think this is the season coming into, particularly Brooke getting injured so early, where more than ever, you're like, yeah, Giannis can play there, but this is not a smart idea to have him playing there as much as he's going to have to in the regular season. Like, that's not the ideal. So for that reason alone, bringing in another body, I think, is is a positive. Um, what it says and how, how Boogie plays will be interesting. Like, if Boogie is just a solid backup big, that is not something they've had. Like, it's a pretty standard staple part of most NBA teams' roster, but just a guy who is, like, clearly defined. He is the backup big. He's not, like... Bobby is more, Bobby is a featured offensive player in second units when everyone's healthy. He'll come in, he'll play a bigger role. Just the idea of the traditional, oh, it's the backup center. Like they're not coming in, they're not going to get a lot of numbers, but they're just kind of going to be solid in the few areas you need them to be. It's very weird that the books just haven't had that, haven't looked for that. And I do think it could be very useful for them. Whether it's boogie or not remains to be seen. I agree from that. At angle, I just think. I mean, we ultimately do not know. I'm not projecting or professing to be like, oh, this is not going to work out or anything like that. I just think it is fair to be skeptical, just because it is, you know, it's very easy to get sucked into name power and be like, who? Well, okay, so back to back to when I asked you though, because that's not. Is it his health then that you're skeptical of more than anything? No, I don't. It's not really the health. Actually, I think it's more of. You know, even the, the case of when they got Robin a couple of years ago, we could be like, okay, they they are going all in on playing drop. They are they are if anything, they that offseason, every move that they made was more of an indication of our system can take us to where we hope to go. Um, you know, all their moves really pointed to that way. They they you know, we can, we did and criticize like the fact that they were really one dimensional, but hey, <laughs> that dimension that they really curved out was pretty good was for good, them for yeah. a long time. Sure was. Um, it's just a shame that the world, you know, uh, changed right under their feet and then they had to finish their season in a very plat, you know, Disney bubble at, at Disneyland <laughs> and not having any fun at Disneyland. Um, so yeah, like, you can rely on him being like, okay, this he's going to be the rim protector. He's going to drop. Of course, he's, you know, shooting more threes than he had been at, you know, at any other point in his career before or even since then now, um, as we've seen in Washington and now Orlando. Like, there, Boogie certainly brings something offensively um, in terms of spacing the floor uh, and all that stuff. Defensively, though, it's just like, you know, 
it's we're not talking about the same Bucks team as two years ago, or it's they're being more experimental defensively. They aren't just playing drop all the time. They've had to do things, or they've had to spread out their kind of styles and what they played in part because of, you know the personnel has been largely a mess in terms of injuries and just missing players. So Brooke, to, Brooke is the biggest reason. Brooke, Brooke is yes. the anchor, and he has not been there. Yeah, but they've still managed to keep afloat throughout all of that. And then you add a player like DeMarcus Cousins, who, you know, he buys in, he's bought into his role more since, you know, his injuries and all that stuff. But it's still a lot to ask of him to, you know, you know, how is he going to play in if he's blitzing players or hedging and all that stuff? Can he recover the way he, the way you hope he can? Like, I do think it's, it's the risk that I see more comes on the defensive end just because we're talking about a guy that's he was, wasn't the greatest defender to begin with. And you take away, you know, large parts of his mobility. That is kind of creating a, a very questionable or uh, it's testing the way that how the Bucks have identified themselves under Bud and just how they've looked at defense as the key that unlocks everything else and then you add a guy that you know historically has never been viewed as a you know passable defender in some cases that's so describing bobby portis though i mean what's the difference i think the difference is it's it's someone that has suffered major leg injuries i know and... but bobby's mobility actually i think often doesn't do him any favors because he just kind of scrambles around frantically um, like when asked to switch, I mean, I I don't. I, I think your points are fair. If if you if they need him to be like a starting center, if they need him to be Brook, they don't but need no, to be Brook. It's not, it's not even starting center. Though, but we were talking about like how we talk about Powell. I mean, I granted it's three. It's small it's, samples. It's his ten minutes. I don't see his ten minutes being different to a lot of Bobby's minutes, which it's going to be. Yeah, you're not winning these by locking down defensively. And if you are, like Giannis and Drew are going to have to pick up a lot of the slack. And that's the reality of it. And that's part of Giannis's job. And it's definitely part of his job. Now he's playing more and more often with Bobby. I don't think that will change here. Like, yeah, Boogie is not going to be ideal defensively. He never would have been. And now he really won't be. It's going to come down to his role, though, as to whether that matters. Because the defense is not ideal when Bobby's out there. That's why the Bucs aren't a great defensive team this year. Like, it's it's as simple as Bobby is playing all of the minutes that are usually Brooks. And the fall-off defensively, and that is massive. Now, the trade-off is his offense has been great, and his offense is good enough that they have got to a point where you are able to score enough points that your offense is just better than your defense is bad. And that's fine. I, I, the part of this that's tough is we know nothing about Brook Lopez still. Um, we're really like Bud was full on just batting back questions on it yesterday. Um, <laughs> whether like whether this is reflective of anything with Brook, the answer is Brook is Brook. You know, is basically where where we're at with this. Like if Brook is back in a couple of weeks' time or three weeks' time, and they feel like he's going to be healthy for the season. None of this is a problem. None of it really matters. Uh, Bobby's role will become more optimized. Boogie will become a true backup. 
you just have more options. You'd actually have more options than you've ever had at the at the center spot, and you could really kind of enjoy the fruits of that, like they've done in the backcourt. I think this season already, um, just in terms of quality backcourt. Whether that happens, though, who knows? I mean, are what are you reading in the tea leaves, Jordan? Um, in regard to Brooke Lopez after the decision to go now. Because this is the thing, like it would have been logical to make this move after Brooke had missed a couple of games and it was apparent he might need a bit of time out. And maybe they wouldn't have lost as many games as they did because particularly with Bobby's health coming into the season two and with other injuries and illnesses that came along the way, like the books would be very shorthanded at times this season. So the decision to do it now, I don't think can... You, know, you can't but raise an eyebrow and be like, oh, really? This is necessary now? Is it? What What do you know that we don't know, Books? And the answer to that is a lot because they're not telling us anything. I like how when it's specifically when Bud is asked these Brooke questions that he gets very, like, White House press secretary. Like, <laughs> you can't you can't divulge the uh, very personal information. On that, though, too, is that not in part? I don't know exactly Hip-hop? what his role... Is that it? It's not. That is absolutely not <laughs> what I was about to say. Um, I was going to say in part, not his decision. Like, no. I, I think this very much aligns with John Horst's view on dealing with the media. Like, <laughs> it very much, very much aligns with that, which is, you know, we'll speak to you when we want to speak to you. And otherwise, you're going to get nothing from us. Like you're going to deal with crumbs and um, we're not going to tell you anything about what we're thinking about anything. You could find out when something happens and when I decide to come down from on high and speak to you like that, that has been the books media policy under John Horst. It's in stark contrast to what it was before. There's a on banner a podcast. You have a handshake deal. Don't report on injuries. You're good. You know, <laughs> I mean, Bud, Bud with the Hawks. I thought that was a particularly Danny Ferry era. That was a very no famously no leaks was the famous thing. Yeah. yeah. And there really were no leaks. Um, so I don't and I suppose look, all of that is Spurs culture, Jordan. And Bud came from that, and Danny Ferry came from that. And John Horse did not come from that, but he clearly clearly wants to emulate that and kind of valorizes that approach. I just, who's winning at this point other than the Milwaukee Bucks, which is what's most they, important. Do they think, but not us, Jordan. Did they think when Shams dropped that little tidbit on his stadium show that no one watches um, that <laughs> Brooke going out there and be like, I have a target date in mind not telling anybody what that target date and how his back has been Did they think that was going to put an end to this? Is yeah, that... did they think that? Is that what it was? Is that what they thought? And then they started Boogie Cousins. Like, Honestly, oh, it kind of did. No, I think it's, if anything, I mean, again, um, perusing the basketball media world, I think more people are more questioning about like, oh, what's going on with Brooke now? Right. I wouldn't be talking about Brooke on this episode today 
if not for the fact that they signed Boogie Cousins. That's that's what I'm saying. I yeah, think so so the two things combined. It's opened the door for people to be like, huh, that's interesting. You it's the do broke that appearance if... followed by the sign is the thing. Um, <laughs> which if, you know, I don't know, did Brooke, did Brooke step out in the zone and be like, I'm tired, I want to speak. I want people to remember I exist here, you know. Yeah. He escapes the darkened room they've been keeping him in. He goes, the curtain opens up. He's like, I am fine. Everything's okay. Oh, there's there's, there's stuff I'm not going to wade into at the moment. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's it's very, very strange. It's it's impossible it's not this, to look at this, this as an extension. Black, of it's this black box of they hold all the cards in terms of Brooks' condition, his recovery, whatever this vague. It's not vague. They're not disclosing this timeline. Um, <laughs> everything is in their favor. Everybody that you know tries to you know get a peek at what is beneath this box they shut down completely like that's where it's more can we talk through this right can we try yes, and work yes. out the thought process here what do you put yourself in the mind of john horst right okay, the mind right. of bud the mind of troy flanagan i don't know whose directive it is that we're just not going to share any of this i can for example i don't like it but I can, for example, understand the horse decision that the books no longer share who they're working out for drafts because he feels like that's, you know, proprietary knowledge. You're giving away what would be a competitive advantage if you're openly sharing that. I don't like that. I'd like to know every player they've worked out, but that's a change that happened. I understand the logic behind that one. It's yeah, sure, it can benefit them. It doesn't benefit any of us, but it can benefit the team. It also helps when you don't have any first rounders for the next. <laughs> That's also years. true. <laughs> what is the what is the benefit though? What is the competitive advantage of not providing updates on your own players' health? Because it's not just a, it's not just contained to Brooke, it's contained to Dante. Yeah. So what is Dante was Dante advantage? was the first sign, and then you know Brooke plays opening night, doesn't play another single game since then, and it's become a bigger story. But and I honestly started with Dante. I struggle working it out more since we now seeing it extend to Brooke to an older player to a starter. With Dante, you're like, okay, well he's a free agent in a year, maybe they're. They're playing some weird games. They're trying to keep this close to their chests because they would still like them to be a part of things longer term. I mean, all of that is very much kind of tinfoil hat and sifting through stuff that isn't there. But uh, whatever, I could put myself in a place to understand that. When that decision now extends to Brooke, who's a starter, who's a core piece of his team, I mean, something that I, I said to you very honestly is like, I, do, I think fans are kind of owed this because if you're going to go and buy tickets to books games, I think you should have an idea of when you're going to see your starting players. And at this point, like, Brooke is one of the cornerstones. I'll speak for myself. He's a fan favorite. Jordan, if I am in Milwaukee, which I hope to be, although the world might have some other ideas, it seems, the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. If I'm in Milwaukee as planned the beginning of March... <laughs> I'll get, I'll get yeah. answers. If there's no answers by then, I'll be banging on doors. 
because if I'm going to fly across the world, I want to know is my favorite player going to be playing? And yeah. just as a general, like this, as an extension, this is a guy who's been part of the team for years, who's one of their core players. Just the idea that you don't owe it to anyone to put that forward. I cannot, I can't wrap my head around that because I don't see the competitive advantage. What is any other team getting from them not saying, for example, oh, Brooke is out for three months because his back has this problem and being specific with it and putting a, a specific timeline? Because also at this stage, what they're doing is they're just continuing to get more and more attention to it. And people like us, like, and between ourselves and between Ty and Rohan, like we've talked so often about this, where if Brooke was just out for three months, we would have talked about the time. We'd be like, it would be great when they get Brooke back and that will be it. You know, there's nothing else. So they're, they're not stopping the question being asked. In fact, the question is going to continue to be asked. Oh, it's going to be continued to ask too when, you know, you see beat reporters or, you know, whether it's ESPN reporters or whatever the case may be, reporters seeing Dante come out, you know, working out before games and he's dunking and you're just like, oh, that's interesting. And then... Yeah, is it the shadow tank it. again? Is that what this is? Uh, <laughs> but you know, what I mean? like it's, it's you're cut. kind of like teasing, yeah, very deep cut. You're teasing this, like we know what we know, you don't know what it is, and all this oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, but what's the like, point? I don't like, know. That's what I'm. We so you been, don't. You've gone into the mind of John Horse, a bud of all of that. Get and back. You're, I, I you, you got out. Okay, we'll get back in and see if you could just if I'm any any possible answer to how this is an advantage for the books um raphael stone can't know who's hurt or i, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know but that's the thing that's the other thing too is that like okay so say if it's like a matter of trade value i'm not saying that the bucks are going to trade brick it doesn't help it though it doesn't because then you because the other team's call, suspicious if you get a call be like if i'm another gm i'll ask john horace to be like Hey, it was kind of weird that you know Brick Lopez just played all but one game or just one game this year, and he's been out for a long time. But it's not known what it is, and you're not updating with it. Can, can we see his medical records? And you you have to get those up because it's sure it's, players have to pass physicals. That was the same thing with Demarcus Cousins. You sign a player. You got past physical to become on, on the but team. But it's also, it? you, you draw more attention to that. Dante is an even better example because of his age, yes. and because of his situation coming up, and because of the books just extended Grayson Allen. Grayson's playing really, really well. And Dante is essentially like getting closer and closer to an afterthought with every passing day. So, what the books should be wanting to do is see if there's a market and trade him. You know, it's. It's either you're hoping he's going to come back and he's good and he's good enough or he's going to help the team to win their championship. Or you're like, well, we're not going to be giving this guy's next deal, so let's get something for it now, particularly because we've got no picks. If the Bucks call up anyone about anything and they're like, got any interest in Dante DiVincenzo? The first question back is going to be, yeah, what's the deal with Dante? And can we see all of the medical records? He plays I, I don't I don't think there's even like will he ever play again? Is yeah like there's not a there's no advantage to this approach as opposed to being like oh he is out for this song and then oh he had a setback and like I, I just don't see what is gained with injuries from not being transparent. 
Agreed. I'm open to anyone wants to clarify. Uh, anyone from the books wants to clarify, you can reach out. You can also clarify Brooks' injury status while you're uh, clarification. That'd probably be more helpful. The benefit than... all of this. If you want to clarify just one thing, I'd take Brooks' status over the decision making. We could revisit the decision making again down the line when this happens with other players. Um, but I, I just I don't understand it, and it's just it's going to continue to get more and more attention. Um, just give it's like. Just a really basic, you know. Just give, just give them something, you know. Where's the crumbs? We're not even feeding off crumbs here, Jordan. If they just give us some crumbs, maybe everyone, maybe they taught the crumbs was Brooke being like, "Oh, yeah, I've got a timeline." But then you sign another center, and everyone's like, "Hold on a minute, these crumbs. Yeah. Someone's been laying crumbs down the wrong path here. It's misdirection. We're all following the wrong crumbs." Javante Smart. Justin Robinson, no longer a book, waived from his two-way deal. Actually, a little surprising this early in the season. I mean, I think this was bound to happen, and this is reflective of how the books have used two ways in recent years. Um, oh, there he is. Yes, they just cycle through them. They yeah. just cycle through them, but particularly, I think, the last couple of years with the kind of expanded um, days with the team and all that stuff around COVID, they really have made use of these guys being around the books. They burn through those days and then they move on and they'll get the next player and they'll burn through and they'll burn through. And it's, it's basically been their approach to it. Um, Justin Robinson was pretty good. Like he's as good as you could ask for it to be. He was very solid in his time with the books. The herd have obviously got off to a fantastic start. So Played this one is one game. Yeah, that, that is true. Was that injury related or was that was he with the books a lot of that time? What game was that? That might have been off day. That was during their homestand too. So easy. Just... They were on the road and he was probably on the road trip. Although Drew and George Hill have been healthy. Anyway, um, as we, as we talked about at the time, and as Ty continued to remind me, or originally just got straight out on Justin Robinson and then has blamed me after the fact that he gradually got back in. He's, just, he's an older guy. He's like 24. You know, it's... There's, what are you going to do there? Like, and a, I think your point about... Because this wasn't a thing last year, just with COVID. Mm-hmm. The days are back. You have only so many days that you can be up at the team. The minute... They got healthy and those you look at those days like, oh, we only have this many days left. You know, Javante Smart won't be benefited the same, hopefully, the same circumstances and maybe he can play with the herd and stay. They won't have to use up those days too. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, it's, it's only the, the combination of Drew and George Hill's kind of early season injuries and stuff that have um, have led to Justin Robinson being up with the books quite as often as he was. But the other side of this is maybe they just saw Javante Smart, um, who has started very well in Sioux Falls in the J League. He's been tearing it up offensively. He's been shooting the ball really well. He's been scoring a lot. And maybe they're like, hey, this might just be a better prospect to you know get on a contract over here. To go back to our conversation a couple of minutes ago, maybe they maybe they worked him out, Jordan, around the draft. Maybe he was someone they considered or looked at picking, signing, 
anything like that. No, I'm being serious. No, uh, maybe they did. We don't know because they, they don't release that information. But maybe someone they had their eye on, he starts the season really well. And all of a sudden it's like, we can just get this guy. Let's get him. I think they're also the strategy of poaching players from the Miami Heat's G League team is very sound. I'm not, this is, this sounds like a joke, but it's, it's not. I mean, I'm not, I focus most of my attention towards the herd over the years. Any time that the the heat sorry most of your attention. Well, in terms oh, of in the G League, okay, yeah, in, in... I was kind of confused there. <laughs> um, there were times when it was more hurt than bucks. Yeah, a few <laughs> um, weeks ago, for example. Yes, um, but if you look at like, I mean, I'm not saying that they these guys are going to be superstars or at the level of a Duncan Robinson who you know signs a ninety million dollar contract and all that stuff, but they just rarely turn out these guys that they find that go undrafted. They turn them out or they you know develop them. They sign them to sometimes cheap deals. Sometimes they overpay them when you know it's time to pay up for them. But they regularly have these players that just eventually become either rotation players or kind of, you know, injuries open up opportunities for them to become rotation players and they do really well. So I think, uh, I think the strategy of poaching players from the Suval Skyforce is pretty good. <laughs> to return for the Heat, could probably work out elsewhere in the league. I'm just saying, I actually didn't know this, that he's Keith Smart's cousin. Do you know that? He's Keith Smart's cousin. Played with Tremont Waters, I believe there is some overlap there. Keith Smart's cousin, though, is also. I mean, Keith Smart was. Was that just after LeBron left? No, I feel just before LeBron left, he was an assistant on. Yep. On that, like, so he was around the Heat, and he would still, he'd know Spo and Pat Riley. Maybe that's part of how he ends up there too. Um. 24 years or 22 years old, sorry, that's important. Six for four was the four I was getting at there. Um, from the very little I have watched on YouTube, seems like a pretty solid athlete, good fluid mover, very confident and willing shooter. And yeah, it does just look like more of a prospect. Like Justin Robinson was very solid as a kind of fill in guy in the NBA. And in that capacity, it worked out quite well for the books, given how their season started and where they needed minutes. But I think going forward and hoping that they'll be a bit healthier, this may well be an option that makes more sense for them. Because, I mean, let's let's be honest about it. Like, George Hill is playing really well. George Hill is also not someone who you can hang your hat on for really any length of time. Like, he's at the, the back end of his career. And if they can find ways that they do have some guards that they're interested in or really singular is what it's going to be, a single guard, um, there's no harm in that. Like if, if he goes and he plays really well with the herd this year, maybe he is a candidate to, to actually be on the roster, whether it's next season or whatever that might be, which is, I think, very different to where they were with Robinson and what his long-term path could be. I think if he made the roster at some point, it would be a matter of needs must. He'd have been there and then he's probably cut at the end of the season and he just kind of goes on again. Just basically with the point, Javante Smart's at in his career, a little bit younger, a little bit bigger, 
I do think there is some potential if they like what they see and he continues to play at the level he started this season um, that he could be someone that they kind of keep an eye on or keep around the organization a bit longer. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the hope if he could sustain this level of play. I mean, if you look uh, at his track record at LSU and, you know, granted it's five games, but um, has certainly improved as a three-point shooter that kind of really, you know, has set the stage for him to become or come out of the hot or come out of the gates hot uh, this year. Um, he's always been kind of a guy that I, I mean, again, not a draft expert, but has been mentioned as a, uh, you know, draft prospect. I think he was Mr. Basketball or Louisiana's Mr. Basketball for years, like years in a row. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, he's certainly been on the minds of many uh, for years now at this point um just a matter of everything coming together for him in the pros and you know hopefully that happens with the bucks but again at the same time you kind of come into it knowing that two ways are pretty interchangeable at least with in terms of the bucks and how they've handled them so let's let's hope and see that you know he can continue on this path and maybe it you know works out for him down the line but yeah great size he could score at the clip that he's been doing and, you know, kind of still improve in a consistent way. Maybe there's, you know, we're talking about Javante Smart as a nice third guard. For sure. It's worth a flyer. And I mean, he started the season shooting at really well, right around 40% from three. And after, I mean, his uh, freshman year at LSU, 31.1% sophomore year, 326 40.2% as a junior though. So, his final year in college into now starting in the G League shooting it well. Um, there is a little bit of something there where that could be real. He may have figured something out, and that's going to be interesting to track as the year goes on. And then probably in all likelihood is going to be um, pretty defining in terms of what he's going to be longer term. And if the books or any other NBA teams have kind of real long term interest. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, do you want to just before we go back to the books? I mean, do you want to say anything else on, on the over on the G League subject on the Wisconsin herd? I mean, rip roaring start down in Oshkosh. You've nicely mirrored the current run the books are going on. Um, good couple of weeks for the larger books organization, and even you know, Sandman down there getting in the act, giving Ty Windish cookies too. Uh, Jordan Wara. Yorgos is obviously down there. Things are looking really good, though. Yeah, six and zero. Another. They were trailed the Windy City Bulls on Monday night uh, by twelve going into the fourth quarter, and they, they trailed very regularly. They trailed. Yeah, they they. If it wasn't for those wins, it'd be a, they're developing a nasty habit, but they erased them very quickly. Um, but yeah, 30, I think they scored 48 fourth quarter points. 37 of them came from Sandman and Jordan Wara. Jordan Wara scored like 60 points in a matter of four and a half minutes, the final four and a half minutes. So uh <laughs> don't know how he did it, but he did it. He could do it. Um yes, he did he it at the Olympics. It. I'm pretty sure he can head down to the sand pit and put on a show. That's a good that's a good point. Yeah. It um, is officially the sand pit now, I can only assume, considering how, you know how how Mamu 
as everyone else likes to call this dude down there. And Jordan, don't think I didn't notice your Substack post or you're committing to, to Mamu. And I was like, I know I've, this yeah. is a betrayal. You I know. know. I'm still out here fighting. This is, he's a Sandman to me. Yes, Sandman. Ty, Ty should have been asking about Sandman last time, you know, books people were down at the herd and Ty was talking to them about, you know, things they may have said or, you know, things associated with them. That worked out for the podcast, right? Yep. Uh, worked out for other people too. Um, got themselves in parades from it, but you know, I th- I think Sandman, the Sand Pit, it's all working out well. Yeah. Um, play again tonight as we're recording Wednesday against the Bulls. Hopefully, they keep it up. Who right. knows who'll, who'll be in action? Is it Javante Smart's time? Who knows? We don't know. They, they won't tell us, right? No, they won't. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, Chris was down there with his family taking in the game, I thought, too. So that's same pip. That's good. Yeah, you have to check it out, you know. Gotta gotta go see the Sandman where he plays. And that is the Sand Pit. All right. Will we talk some books? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What have they done since we last recorded? <laughs> Pistons, Nuggets, Pacers. Yeah. I mean, is there anything stand out to you that you want to talk about here? Because we're in a really fun place again, which is kind of like, oh, yeah, look, they're good. And Giannis is great. He's just, you know, rolling off all kinds of crazy numbers every night. And the books are winning games. That is kind of a groove they seem to fall back into. I know you did. You were trying to get out ahead of the naysayers early on. You were like, some people may say, but can only beat what's in front of you, Jordan. And the books have been doing that. And I mean, to be doing it too, while like Chris is continuing to kind of feel his way back into things, starting to get a little bit more efficient. He's not taking on quite the workload um, in terms of just, shot volume more than anything i mean his minutes are cranking up but he's not taking quite the same number of shots maybe part of that is just natural because bobby portis is also starting at the moment and that that changes the dynamics of that um but chris is definitely looking better shooting more efficiently um drew's play has been pretty good and trending upwards particularly over um these past three games i think the game just before this he'd had a pretty rough one um, but these three were all good for him. Um, I, I continue to be just immensely impressed by Grayson Allen. I he is slotting in so well. I think he's much more solid defensively even than we are possibly expecting. Yeah, solid is underselling it. He's he's pretty good and he's fitting in very nicely to the book system and making good defensive reads. I'd say he had a block, or it might not have been a block, but like a contest contested shot that he. His recovery, in the, it was in the Pacers game, uh, to be clear, that I just didn't think that he would be able to make. And, you know, we could talk about his size and maybe that, you know, that's going to be a problem against the Kevin Durant of the world. But as Kevin Durant has proven, that's a problem for anybody that isn't named Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, but he's just very, he's very fluid. He's very smart, um, plays into his role. And I mean, his athleticism, you know, we can make all white guy athleticism jokes all the, all the time as Pat Connaughton clearly tries to dispel. 
but the guy has hops and he makes these credible plays that just like oh that's a nice you know block or recovery that you just didn't think that he mostly defensively where really pops with grayson is the thing um which is interesting because that's actually been kind of a weakness of pat in terms of trying to channel where he's He'd be trying to block everything and he'd be up off his feet all the time. Grayson's clearly got just a bit better awareness. He's a A little bit smarter, I think, at reading the floor defensively and knowing when to to go for one of those blocks or when to kind of cheat and go and look to help. Um, He covers ground very quickly. And yeah, he's got decent size and he's... He's certainly got a good jumping ability when he gets there. So, I mean, very, very impressed. Pat has averaged uh, 15 points per game over these last three games, and he just continues to be ridiculously, ridiculously good. Like, this is a... It's an unexpected leveling up. Like, I I mean, the thing I think coming into the season that we all would have been, like, beyond our wildest dreams would be, imagine if Pat was just the guy he was in the finals now. That would have been great, right? There he is. No, he's not. He's better. Yeah, he's, he's actually even better. And it's like, okay, this is completely unexpected, but it's a really, really big deal for the books. Like, I mean, even with Brooke out, you've got seven guys in your rotation that are just like really, really consistent high-level performers at this point. It's a level of luxury that the books just have not had to deal with in recent years. And it's not just a books thing. It's just around the NBA. That doesn't happen. Look at the Lakers and all their depth, Jordan. Just look at it. Uh, what they would do for a Pat Connaughton. By the way, Drew Holiday was a plus. This is John Schumann's uh, power rankings column from Monday. He was a plus 117 in 120 minutes last week. <laughs> and then four wins. Again, a lot of that was playing playing the magic and stop doing that stuff but it was but i mean more so because they were up by 50 in the first half or whatever it was yeah but not everybody gets up by 50 against the magic in the first half you know agreed agreed the thing look there's a lot of bad teams in this league um bad teams they were hiding in plain sight to begin with and people are now like oh look these guys aren't that good that's not the problem for the books it's not the case for the books the books are only two games back of and the Brooklyn Nets in top spot. They're only half a game back a second. Um, so considering the start they had, like they're going to find themselves in the kind of position that we would have expected and wanted them to be in very soon. And then they can just basically carry on with their season from there. And I, I think what's interesting about that is like, I assume you saw Steve Nash's quotes last night and he's asked about Kevin Durant's minutes. You see that? No, I did not. He's asked about, you know, just how many minutes he's playing. And he said, basically, you know, what, you want me to play him less and we lose more? Like, <laughs> that is, that's the spot that Nets are in. So hmm. it's just, it's a very different dynamic to how the books are able to manage their multiple good playable players across the rotation. If I was a Nets fan, I would be pretty worried about, what happens by the end of the season if they continue to just have to burn Kevin Durant into the ground? Like, for what? For what end? What is the point here? Because without him, like, they get swept in the first round. 
They might. You're thinking about it. No. <laughs> no. Okay, dude. The gentle, this is not that gentle good. Gentle that sweep, though. Oh, my. <laughs> no, right now they'd get the Cavs. I don't know if the Cavs would. In the second round, they could get swept without them, though. I mean, I'm, I'm not. Uh, this is not a prediction. Jordan's going to be comfortable. I'm just making a point of where their team is at. I mean, Steve Nash was making the point for me. It's like. I, yeah, don't disagree. Joe Harris had. He's out for like two months at least, right? Yeah. Well, seven, for, seven weeks or something like that, I think. Yeah. He had a, I think the quote was he had a little bit of bone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Steve Nash said. Steve Nash, good quote, turns out. Yeah. Uh, he's having fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Nets, I saw James Harden had a, a dunk. He was very excited about it. They beat the New York Knicks by two points last night to uh, keep the show on the road. But it's the, the picture in the East is actually so weird. It's the only word I can really think of it because you've got the Nets, you've got the books. I guess the Heat are kind of right around where you'd expect to be. And everything else is just like, what's going on here? Is this real? like down to even Sixers and the Hawks being ninth and 10th in the standings. You're like, yeah, I understand why that's happened, but also over 82 games that probably balances out compared to some of the teams that are above them. Like it's weird. It's competitive and that's good and that's fun, but it's, it's definitely on the strange side. And in what feels very similar to last year, the books are just, they're in a thing just completely separated they're aside from all of that there's really nothing weird other than Heather talking about players who were injured about what the books are doing you know they're just going about their business sure they're losing some games but they're winning plenty they're right where they need to be they could still finish the season as the one seed they're probably unlikely to be anything worse than the tree seed like unless some sort of disaster knock on wood strikes nice drama-free season, then we'll just continue, hopefully, to roll on through this and get to the playoffs, right? Let's hope so. Seems, seems like a plan. It worked out well last time. It did. <laughs> Can I anything else, Jordan? No, I, I don't think we do. Okay, so week ahead, Hornets, Raptors, Heat, Cavs. I mean, Next 10 days, the books will play the Heat twice in a three-game spell. Is that what you've got your eye on now? Is that what you're excited for? I am. I mean, I, I spoke with this last we... week. I could never be excited about the Heat. The Heat are an irritant. Um, I will be very excited if the books could like beat the Heat, but like they beat the Magic. You know, if we want to continue that trend with floridian teams like yeah uh, a couple of score lines like that would get me excited i'd get a lot of joy from that probably not gonna happen that way but it will be interesting to see particularly books build up ahead of steam like it was beat the hornets you'd expect them to beat the raptors things will continue motoring along um yeah it's it's looking good jordan i like how things are shaking up it's going to be an interesting few weeks from here because it's not like – I mean, their schedule was lacking, but it's not like it gets – they'll have a couple of big tests, but it's not like it gets but that they much They play Orlando, longer. like, back-to-back again. 
Yeah. What's with that scheduling where Jordan's going to have to be like, oh, it was the magic, you know? Oh, they just played God. the magic twice in a row again. Also, they play the Celtics within. Yeah, but they've won 21 of... in a row, Jordan. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. All right. That does it for us for now. Until next time, as always, thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, the Eurostep Podcast Network. That way you'll never miss an episode of Winning Six. You'll never miss an episode of the Eurostep either. You get all your all your books, podcasts, listing you need right there in the one place. You can also subscribe to gspn.substack.com. That is our substack. You'll also get the, the pods directly to your, to your email if you do that. But in addition to that, you'll get all sorts of articles and tidbits too. Jordan just cannot quit. He cannot quit the pen. He can't put it down. We can't stop him. The man has an insatiable desire, appetite for writing. So you want Jordan Tresky's articles. You want Ty Windish's articles. You want Rowan Cuddy's articles. If you want maybe one, two things from me a year. (laughs) At the moment, maybe it changes, but I have not got the writing book like Jordan right now. Um, But gspn.substack.com um well we've jordan and i are working on stuff as as people who signed up there will know there will continue to be tidbits there that's probably what you'll you'll see some stuff from me on there but go subscribe you won't miss anything your step podcast network that way until next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you jordan thank you